Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. You see a situation developing and it just doesn't seem right to you. So you take to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram to vent your frustrations, speak your mind, and invite others to join your cause. Hey, not so fast, say the social media gods. Suddenly you find yourself disconnected, unplugged, silenced, or otherwise banned from your social media outlet of choice. Good idea? Bad idea. Legal? Illegal. Let's find out what our guest thinks. Andre Wang is the General Counsel and Director of the Office of Public Affairs and Religious Liberty of the North Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He joins us today from Washington State. Mr. Wang, welcome to LifeQuest Liberty. Thank you, Charles. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. This program is sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Okay, okay, Mr. Wong. Social media deplatforming. What exactly is that, and what are your thoughts on this matter? It has been interesting how social media, I'm including all iterations of it, has just evolved and maybe maybe even some would say devolved over the last decade i think the advent of twitter and facebook maybe myspace even you know before yes, that yes. was in the mid 2000s and the purpose was really noble right i mean it was i think the the tagline was a place to connect mm-hmm. you know where we would share family announcements and vacation photos and birth announcements and things like that sure. and and now these traditional things, you rarely see the baby announcements or the wedding photos. Uh, maybe you know, and we almost relish when we see them yes, now because yes. we have to wade through all this political chatter and um, acrimony. And it's just really, really fascinating kind of you know, how far we have come. Yeah, but 10, 15 years ago, I know I wasn't all that interested in politics, and I wasn't that interested in the political and the social things. I was more interested in the vacation pictures and everything. What changed? How did we change, and what changed us? I think if we can answer that, we would be we'd be able to solve a lot of society's ails. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's true. You know, I... I don't know. Um, you know, and, and, and here's my just here's my Andre's hypothesis is that over the election of 2004 with uh, Bush and Kerry and then 2008 with Obama and McCain, yeah. those were really polarizing presidential elections. Mm. And we never really spun out of it. Before, elections were these, you know, you know, great American traditions where we'd have political debates yes. and, uh, you know, our candidates would hammer it out. Uh, in the end, the victor and the loser would shake hands and, you know, those traditional pictures right, of yes. the day after the election, almost raising their arms together, uh, saying, you know, let's move forward for the good of the country. We just seem to have lost that. Mm. I don't mean to pinpoint those particular elections as the epicenter, but that's just kind of the era of when I noticed the discourse kind of falling apart. That's kind of bled over. And then with the advent of and the momentum of social media during the late 2000s and early part of the 2010s with social media, gaining momentum. Hey, here's a platform where I can, you know, I can just 
spew my, opine my political opinions unfettered. And then I think here we are with the landscape that we have. And what also has changed, and, and you have seen this and I have seen this, is that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, they're jumping in to the fray. They are making decisions on what people can and can't say on their outlets. Is this okay? I mean, I can see both sides of the argument. It's a company. It's their company policy. Hey, this is a free speech country. What are you doing telling me I can't say that? What's happening here and how do we try to identify with this? This goes to a personal experience that I had just a couple months ago, Uh which really reframed how I look at the role of social media and discourse. This was around summertime. I had made a comment. This is on Facebook. I commented on a friend's post about a news story about the Wuhan lab and the origin of the coronavirus and and things. And and I made a comment, a self-deprecating comment, about how I enjoyed my bat for breakfast uh, that morning, being a, being a Chinese, being someone of a Chinese ethnicity, yes. you know, how I enjoyed my bat for breakfast that morning. I thought it was rather innocuous and actually quite funny uh, in, in context. Yes. But almost immediately, you know, within 30 seconds at the most, I got the warning window from Facebook saying your comment has violated community standards. Your account is hereby suspended for seven days. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, what? And as I was thinking about my time in Facebook jail, as, as people (laughs) call it, how did this happen? Was my comment reported or which was most likely was my comment identified by the algorithm, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, the big, you know, the big boogeyman out in social media world that polices content and user behavior and controls really kind of what we see and when we see it and how we see it. I'm pretty settled on that's what happened because I don't think my comment was on there enough for somebody to right. see it, register it, be offended and report it to Facebook for that progression to have happened, I think, you know, would have taken more than 30 seconds. But my comment for the reasons of saying I was having a bat for breakfast violated Facebook's community standards and put me in the uh, Facebook Correctional Institution for a week. What kind of world do we live in now where it is not sentient thinking human beings that are making these determinations, Mm. but robots of what's appropriate, not appropriate? Now, what is the, the true role of social media, not only political, but just in our social discourse? Yes. On one hand, the libertarian in me says, yeah, you know, it, this is a private company and this is their platform. Mm-hmm. They're entitled to regulate and set the rules on which uh, we play in a their sandbox mm-hmm. in which we play in. Mm-hmm. On that ground, I was kind of, well, yeah, I mean, if they don't want me making bad comments, then this is their prerogative. On the other hand... You know, there's the bigger social ethic involved. They have gotten to a, a level where the public trust now rests in the public record of what's posted on Twitter and mm-hmm. Facebook and, and other social media platforms. With that in their hands, do these executives really understand the impact that they're having on our social discourse? And in fact, right now they're having congressional hearings um, with yes. uh, Francis Haugen, who the the face, the famous Facebook whistleblower. Yeah. These executives know they know exactly what they're doing, mm-hmm. but yet they're doing this because they're putting profits in front of people. It's very, very interesting to see what she's saying and where this will go in Congress.
Okay, so you've made a case here for the one side. This is a company. They're, they're, this is their sandbox. We're going into their sandbox. Is there another sandbox we can play in, uh, Andre? Is there someplace we can go to say what's on our hearts without fear of being censored? Or should there be a place where we can go? Because uncensored comments and uncensored posts and uncensored expressions can lead to some very dangerous places, wouldn't you say? That's true. If you read the user agreements of these platforms, being a lawyer, I, I usually relish you know reading user agreements, but right. uh, these are just so voluminous and convoluted, I have to read them in increments. <laughs> and it's pretty clear up front where it says no inflammatory language, nothing that's going to incite violence and criminal activity. I mean, kind of, you know, kind of just the regular common sense stuff. But in subparagraphs and subsections below that is, this is our sandbox. Yes. We get to regulate whatever we want. Yes. And I think it was during the 2020 presidential election campaign. This is about when Twitter and Facebook suspended or, or banned Trump yes. from their platforms. Yeah. There were other platforms that he went to. I think Parler was one or, or Parlay, mm-hmm. you know, in the French was one platform, and there were a couple other platforms that were used. And again, a free market, here's, you know, here are other platforms that you can use to express your opinions. But then it became kind of renowned for, well, okay, you know, here comes some pretty extreme right-wing views expressed here. Now what kind of sandbox does this look like? And do we want, as a social media company, do we want these optics? Do we want this image here? So I think if you're going to have a truly open First Amendment, free speech, social media platform, you've got to do it with the risks because the First Amendment is there to protect unpopular speech. Yes, yes. Popular speech, by definition, doesn't require protection. No, it doesn't. Again, I go back to my original premise of these are private companies Mm -hmm. doing private business. Therefore, yeah, it's their rules. It's their sandbox. Uh, But yeah, if we're going to bring the First Amendment into it, we've got to accept the risks that come with it. And when I say the risk, I'm talking about the unpopular speech. Yeah. Well, you know, my final question for you today, because we're running out of time, my final question is, don't you want someone to protect you in whatever sandbox you happen to be in? Would you want to go to an unprotected sandbox, Andre? There has been, and if you're following these congressional hearings, yes. the idea is, should there be government intervention mm-hmm. in these sandboxes? Yeah. And there's been talk of maybe putting these social media platforms under a a kind of a public utility model where it operates as a business, but yet there's some level of oversight Mm -hmm. over there. Was it uh, Ronald Reagan who who said the phrase, the most dangerous words in the English language is, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. (laughs) Uh, You know, I certainly want to be protected when I'm in a sandbox of whatever form, Mm -hmm. but yet at the same time, when does protection bleed into overregulation? Mm. And I think that's the great political question that's out there right now. And before we, we close, I just want to say that I think as Christians, we are called to maintain the level of civility biblically. And I'm a great fan of Paul. And in Ephesians 4, I think that's the best recipe that we have for being civil where Paul is actually interjecting himself into a political dispute in the Church of Ephesus. And he's bringing the temperature down, and what he says is, be kind, be gentle, be humble with each other. And he says this, walk 
in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received. Mm. And as children of God, whatever context we're debating and, and we're exchanging ideas, let's make sure that we are walking in a manner worthy of the calling we have as Christians and children of God. Andre Wang, excellent. Very good wrap-up there. Andre Wang is the General Counsel and Director of the Office of Public Affairs and Religious Liberty of the North Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He's talking to us today from Washington State. Mr. Wang, thank you so much for sharing and giving us these words of wisdom. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's been an honor to be with you, Charles. This program is sponsored by Liberty Magazine. We have a website, libertymagazine.org. Check it out. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Andre Wang inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>